Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw? Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I am probably sitting in the wrong chair. So be it. I am probably much better looking off camera because as we established in the uh, previous segment of the show, a body largely made by mayonnaise. With that, we will dial up the Duke's Mayo Bowl at some point in time uh, in the studio between now and 6 o'clock. The guy that sounds like JMV, thankfully for John's case, he doesn't look like me yet. Greg Rakestraw filling in. It is Substitute Teacher Wednesday, even on Christmas break. There is a need for substitute teachers at times, as John apparently has come down with like influenza A, B, and C, if there is such a thing, simultaneously. Hopefully he is back tomorrow. If not, it won't be me. Um, what was supposed to be like a three-day break from talking professionally maybe lasted about 48 hours or so. It's not like this is a real job. I'm just sitting here yapping about sports with you, and you are more than welcome to join in the conversation at 317 317- 239-1070. It is a different number than I give for the Colts Radio Network when I'm usually in this chair now on Sunday afternoons. And I really have to go slowly when I give that telephone number because the the more that I don't do this on a day-to-day basis, one of these days I'm going to give out my cell phone number as to what to call the show. So if you caught that pause between 7 and 239, you know, for John, it's like muscle memory at this point. But for me, it's going to be like my social or my cell, one of the two, that will get shared on the program at some point in time. Uh, I am doing the substitute teacher thing today, and by that I mean uh, once I got the word like yesterday about 5 o'clock or so, uh, hey, John's not going to make a, a miraculous recovery after Brian No filled in yesterday. Can you pre please, pretty please, fill in for John tomorrow afternoon? I said, all right, we're going to make this about as many friends as I can get on the show as, as possible um, to make my job as easy as possible because much like you, we are between Christmas and New Year's and we don't do that much work. Now, I say that, and I've got uh, nine games of play-by-play starting tomorrow through Friday 
and Saturday, then this whole Colts game on New Year's Eve on Sunday. So I, I, I do have some work, but just having a conversation, as you can tell, comes pretty naturally to me. So with that, here's the guest list on the show today. The basketball radio voice of the Blue Boilermakers, of course, pre-half and post for football Rob Blackman will join us. Scott Agnes with us during the 4 o'clock hour of the show, as is Indiana State head coach Josh Schertz. A rather big game for the Trees coming up on Saturday, as in they are playing at Michigan State before resuming Missouri Valley Conference play next week after an 11-day gap. Indiana State just one loss so far this year. Of course, a week and a half ago, big win at Gamebridge Fieldhouse over Ball State. The Trees can ball. And Josh Schertz, their head coach, will join us coming up during the 4 o'clock hour of the show. Fresh off a command performance last night on a post-holiday edition of Colts Roundtable Live, Joe Wright will be doing the show with me for about a segment or so. And then Kyle Nenrip of the Indianapolis Star. Kyle and I see a lot of each other this year. I actually get, um, get to broadcast his son playing this week. For those that do not know... He is a part of the rotation for the Brownsburg Bulldogs, and they are playing in the um, basket, the the Hall of Fame Classic over in Newcastle. Girls on Friday, boys on Saturday. Boys field for that will be Brownsburg, Brownstown, Kokomo, and Crispus Attucks. Girls field will be Columbia City, Indian Creek, Jennings County, and Lake Central. You can see all of those games on the ISC Sports Network. The boys' night session on Saturday will be on my indie tv when i'm not talking to those fine gentlemen i can interact with you again the phone number not my cell phone 317-239-1070 you can email the program to greg at 1070 the fan they still let me keep that uh i am again i i think this camera's working i'm not sure i'll have the youtube feed pulled up um but because i'm getting a day closer to vintage because I have a birthday that comes up in the, in the within the next handful of days, I'm rocking a vintage hat. So, like this is the fan logo from about eight or nine years ago. Now, as you can tell, this hat is rather worn in. Um, but I do have a head the size of Sputnik. So, if there's a hat that fits me, I tend to wear it on a regular basis. Um, much like JMV would chastise me for being a ball player. I am wearing a hat. I didn't get my procedure done at the same place that John did. So, uh, you know, keeping, you know, protecting what little hair I have left on my head by wearing the ball cap today. Uh, but I thought I would I would go vintage on the program today. So that's the guest list. You can probably figure out the topics. I did put it to the folks on Twitter at Greg Rakestraw, and you can continue to chime in on that front if you would like to as well. And I basically said, hey, listen, I got a great guest list. You just heard it. Um, but what do you want me to talk about? I'll, I'll, I'll yammer on about what it is you'd like for me to opine, inform, educate, etc. cetera, uh, on the show today. And I've gotten plenty of suggestions, but you can keep those coming at Greg Rakestraw again on Twitter, uh, or while I won't give out the cell phone, if you do have it, you can text me. And for some reason, shaking the phone apparently turns on the flashlight. So if I blinded any of you that were watching on the YouTube feed just now, I'm sorry. Flashlight now has been turned off. Thank you very much for that. Um, 
We'll do that, too, on the show. There is the obvious. we got a Pacers win to talk about from last night, so let's talk about that. We've got Colts, because it's kind of what I do this time of year, and we'll talk about that. Obviously, I'm known as the high school basketball guy, the high school sports guy, the Indy 11 guy, and not surprisingly, I've got a, a, a Twitter mention full of, hey, talk about this, hey, talk about that, and we will get to all of those things. And clearly, the story, other than mayonnaise, uh, that is captivating the sports world right now is the Detroit Pistons losing streak, which lasts like at the 27. And if you're like me and follow way too many things on Twitter, I am lucky that um, I've built up enough of a, a Twitter profile and been doing this long enough. I have 16,000 followers. And to all of you who follow me, I apologize. Uh, but I also follow like 2,000 people which means I think I've got a pretty good pulse as to what's taking place at any given time in the sports world. And the dominant topic last night on sports Twitter was the Pistons losing a 27th game in a row. So we'll get to that coming up in a matter of moments. But let me talk about the NBA topic closest to home to us first, and that is a Pacers win last night. 123-117, I think, was the... Final score last night of the Pacers winning against the Houston Rockets. And allow me to give the same mea culpa that I do most every time I do fill in for John or somebody else during this time of year. When I say, listen, I am cognizant. If you ask me, like, hey, did the Pacers win their last game? I think I give you a pretty – I think most of them going to say yes or no. I'm kind of following to that level. Am I – Locked in watching minute by minute of every Pacers game? No. Believe it or not, there's only so much sports viewing that I can do for a living. There's only so many sports factoids that I can have in my head at one given time. For example, um, I've spent a good chunk of yesterday and today. I've got 14 teams to prep for. For For nine games that I will have tomorrow, Friday, and Saturday. And so... I'm not sure that Pacers-Rockets was going to get a great deal of my attention until it came to my attention. I'd have to talk about it, well, right now, like I'm doing with you. It's like, all right, um, honey, we're watching a little more Pacers and Rockets. And I was a couple of old fashions in by this point in time. There was actually a date night in the Rakestraw household last night. By the way, I'm uh, looking for a good downtown combo. Weber Grill for Eats, 1933 for an extra drink. Mrs. Rakestraw approved, by the way. So I think I've got the details right on this for the most part of the game. I don't have the box score in front of me. But um, piecing all the details together, Pacers got a win. That's a good thing. And the Rockets have been bad. So I had to do this in-depth research by like looking up, hey, what are the Western Conference standings right now? Rockets are above 500. They're 15, 15 and 12, I think they were, going into the game. So, road win, given how much the Pacers have struggled to guard anybody all year, but especially just struggle, period, since the in-season tournament run, that's a good road win for the Pacers. But the other thing that also struck me was even on a night where the defensive effort was average for the Indiana Pacers, man... You worry about what you see. In other words, is success sustainable? 
for this team. And let me try to explain. So I went into talk show host mode last night. Like, okay, how am I going to talk about this with some level of coherency on the air the following day? So, all right, let me look up exactly what teams are giving up on a per-game basis. And I think going into last night, I think the Pacers were next to last in terms of points allowed on a per-game basis in the neighborhood of 126, 127 points, 29th out of 30. I think the T-Wolves are the best defensive team in the league on a per-game basis. They're allowed about 106, 107. So literally, the mathematical average of that would be about 117, which is what the Pacers gave up last night. So, And and I'm not trying to be anti-NBA guy. I'm not trying to be anti-Pacers guy. I'm not trying to be get off my lawn. I liked it back when they had fist fights and they split the, the, the first team to 81 like it was back in 1997. No, I would much rather see the freedom of movement guys making jump shots, the, the, the spacing of the floor. I love the modern style of the NBA. You still got to play some level of defense. And obviously... Last night, you saw changes. Um, Rick Carlisle said, all right, we, we can't just keep doing the same thing and expect a change of result. So you saw Jalen Smith get the start. Now, he ended up bumping heads with Aaron Neesmith, which is why he didn't play for the last five or six minutes of that game last night. You moved Neesmith from the four to the three. You had more minutes for Andrew Nemhard. You brought Obi Toppin, Buddy Heald off the bench because Toppin's a great rim runner. Buddy Heald can be a great shooter. He's missed more than he's made as of late. The thing that struck me, and I, it was a tweet from Dustin Opirak, and giving him full credit, even though it's just a box score, I could have read it. What I say at halftime last night, the Pacers, they had made their first six threes. They were 11 of 18 from three, I think, for the first half. And I think they were 25 of 43 from the field in general. And still trailing. And so the word that came up to my mind in talking about the Pacers was sustainability. Because they've been exciting to watch. Halliburton's been fantastic. And obviously he is your franchise linchpin going forward. And he had a double-double last night and he hit a key three. Was it 33-10 and 10 and maybe a rebound or two away from a triple-double last night is, is what Tyrese had. And again, because of the contract he's on, you're building around him, even with potentially some defensive liabilities that he has, not to mention others of that regular playing rotation. But when we have Scott Agnes on the show uh, coming up, oh, about an hour and 15 minutes from now, that's the line of question I'm going to take with him. And going, hey, it's been fun. The in-season tournament run was great. But seemingly for every quality win, for having a couple of wins over the Bucs, I'm even, I'm even count, counting the last loss against the Bucs. And that's what we have to look forward to next week. Those next two matchup with the Bucs roll around again very quickly. But at some point in time, what people are really going to be jonesing for here is not just an exciting style of play, but a winning style of play. Because, folks, it has been a decade since the Pacers won a playoff series. A decade. 2014 Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James at the end of his stint in Miami. 
After that, Paul George got hurt. And then you have Paul George getting traded. Then you have Victor Oladipo. Then you have the 25-win season. Then you have the much better than expected run of last year, which has now led us to this thing called expectations. And there have been some nights the Pacers met them. And again, a road win after a holiday break against a Western Conference team that's above 500. Last night was a good win for the team. But I still look at it and go, is is this team fatally flawed? Do they have to make a move before the trade deadline? The way you have this built, again, the word that I use is sustainable. Because I, I don't think of having unrealistic expectations here. Team's now back to being a game above 500. Um, the line that I thought of demarcation for this team this year, 45-win season, is part of what you were shooting for. But the other big thing was be a top-six team in the Eastern Conference. Because six means you're not messing with the play-in tournament. You can play your way in at 7, 8, 9, or 10. At 6, you're in. And I've always thought that was what the bar should be set for this team this year. So, when we talk Pacers with Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files, and you can see his work at 1075thefan.com as well, that will be the direction that Scott and I take that conversation. Now, on the flip side... Let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. And Lord knows that when I'm in his studio, and it's still new to me, although when I've been here in the past, I'm sitting where James has been sitting. Because that's the Bob level, he's not dead yet, still memorial chair. Uh, but as we play studio roulette, as we merge all of these stations under the now Radio 1 banner here in Indianapolis, we have, air quotes, new studios. And so when I've been in this chair... It is talking about the Colts, and sadly, the two times I have been in this chair, um, Colts-Bengals and Colts-Falcons. Maybe I need to switch chairs. Maybe that's been the problem for the last two road games. But in talking about the Colts, uh, and obviously we'll do more of that with Joe Wrights coming up during the 5 o'clock hour, whenever you would like, at 317-239-1070. At Greg Reichstraw on Twitter, emailing the show, greg at 1070thefan.com. And I'm trying to make sure this doesn't just pair what we talked about on Sunday afternoon, on Christmas Eve. But there was no way to slice anything but bad from the way things played it on Sunday. With the exception of the opportunity that is still in front of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, obviously, the Colts' playoff chances would have increased significantly with a win. But did you know that going into Sunday's game, the Colts' playoff chances were at 52%. You know that after Sunday's loss against the Atlanta Falcons, the Colts' playoff odds increased. Increased. Not by much. Up to 55%. And yes, there is a nightmare scenario where basically the Colts go 2-0, the Bengals go 2-0, the Steelers don't win both of their games, and the Colts are on the outside looking in at 10-7. First things first, and maybe it's because I've spent 
too much time around coaches over the years, but I'm about to channel one right now. Control the controllables. Worry about, as a Colts fan, worry about your team. Win this one, then you can scoreboard watch as to everything else that is going on. And the Bengals do have a, I think it's the Browns and the Chiefs. And I would assume it's Chiefs this week and Browns next week since you're supposed to be playing a divisional opponent the final week of the season. So it's not exactly an easy one for the Bengals. And if the Bengals kind of get off of that of that tie-breaking line with the Colts, then it's quite simple. Colts beat the Steelers. Colts obviously control their own destiny in terms of potentially you know, taking care of business against the Texans here next Sunday. And if it gets to the point where it's a three-way tie of Colts, Texans, Steelers going to the last Sunday of the season, um, we'll be having our post-game Colts conversation for the Texans what would be a Sunday night game because obviously that is winner take all potentially even for the division if if Jacksonville loses and given the fact they have lost four consecutive games even though it's the Panthers and the Titans that they have left man nothing appears guaranteed for that bunch right now so we can talk Colts, and, and when I kind of put it to the to the folks on Twitter saying, hey, what do you want to talk about today? And I got some, hey, let's let's talk about Colts free agents. Hey, let's talk about changing to be made. And typically, I have been opposed to going heavy duty into that while there is still a playoff possibility for this team. If time allows, we'll get there. But the thing that that I would say on that front is this. There's a lot to be bullish about about this football team, okay? Because even if they don't win another game, they have doubled their win total from last year. And even though Anthony Richardson didn't see the field after week five, and I acknowledge that there were things that he could not do this year because of not staying on the field, that will make next year seem like his redshirt freshman year. Not his first year on campus, but a lot of firsts will take place for him next year. And I have said this the entire time, whether it's been Gardner Minshew that has led the NFL and wins by a backup quarterback this year with six, or whether it was the Gardner Minshew that we saw in the last couple of losses, I don't think Gardner's back here next year. I'm sure the Colts would love to have him back with this team next year. But I think he has done enough where he's going to be somebody else's starting quarterback next year. And that is just one of many key free agent decisions that Chris Ballard has to make. So I don't want to get too far down the road into what the 2024 Colts are going to look like, even as we approach their last game to be played in 2023. But what I will do on the show today when – time allows and maybe we'll get to this say after rob blackman joins us in the next segment of the program and that'll be hey here are the guys that decisions have to be made on and that's why even though there has been a big bump up and clearly a bump in the right direction from 22 to 23 it's not necessarily well hey you you won four last year you won eight or more this year clearly next year you're talking about 11 or 12 win team might be could be but it's not guaranteed. 
And yes, there is a lot of cap room available to be spent. But there's a lot of guys in the locker room that you have to figure out, are we investing in this guy for a second contract, a first major contract, or in some cases for a third contract in their career and a second time this team will have invested in that player? So again, I like where the team's heading. I like where the team's at. It's not a guaranteed straight line up, and that has more to do than, say, just at the quarterback position. So plenty of Colts conversation between you, me, James, if he's paying attention, whatever the case may be. Again, Colts conversation, Joe writes. Pacers conversation, Scott Agnes. We'll talk about the Indiana State Sycamores. I can't replicate the Indiana State love that John has for the trees, but I'm kind of fond of that group in the Wabash Valley myself, so Josh Schertz will be joining us. You know um, I'm into high school hoops, and the running joke is if you see Kyle Nenrip and I at the exact same game, you probably picked the right game to go to. He'll join us in the 5 o'clock hour. But the Purdue Boilermakers, Rob Blackman not prepping for a bowl game. He's just prepping for the next Purdue basketball game. And, oh, yeah, the number one team in the country. And he will join us in the next segment of the show. Greg Rakestraw in for JMB. You know the drill, 317-239-1070. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show. Greg at 1070 to the fan. It is both a substitute teacher edition and a vintage edition of the ride without JMV on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan Was that Raising Arizona you just played? That was indeed. I forgot the fact that you dig that movie. I love that movie. You got a little a little high there to you. You know. <laughs> and again, you got to, you have to understand to watch the movie to get the reference that I just made. I forget about that every time that I am I'm filling in JMV James on the other side, and again, you're stuck with me as the substitute teacher until six o'clock. Greg Rakestraw filling in. Last time I was doing a program, I started texting a couple of buddies of mine about on the show, and both of them said, Hey, um, Jake Query already booked us uh, for the day. That was not the case this time, so I'm thrilled to have the voice of Purdue basketball and, of course, part of the Purdue football radio network as well. It is Rob Blackman that joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Happy holidays, my friend. How you doing? Hey, Greg. Happy holidays to you. And, yes, uh, you beat Jake Query to the punch this time, so well done. Well done. Did, did, he, did he text you after uh, I text you for today's show? I, uh, as soon as I saw that you had reached out to me first, I, I uh, blocked all of his calls. <laughs> so I don't even know if he's tried to reach me. You're probably better off uh, with, with that being the case for a multitude uh, of reasons. Good <laughs> holiday break for you and the family? Yeah, it actually has been kind of nice. Uh, you know how college basketball works, especially once the calendar turns January 1. It's, uh, it's pretty much nonstop right up until hopefully late in March or early April. So, yes, I've tried to enjoy the last couple of days of downtime and uh, try to try to recharge the batteries a little bit here. 
What has this run been like? Because let's face it, you know, Purdue has accomplished so many great things from November 1 to, say, March 20th, the last couple of years. But, for example, A, you got to go to Maui, and then B, uh, you got to go to, obviously, Honolulu instead this year. But you beat number 11, number 7, number 4 on back-to-back days. You beat number 1 in front of a packed house in, in Indy. And, and I even admit that I've been kind of a jerk about this, saying ah, I'm, I'm not sweating until they get to March. But, dude, the non-conference run that Matt's team has had has been fantastic. What has that been like for you to be a part of yet again this year? Yeah, not and not just the wins, which of course make it all the better, but the fact that uh, you know guys like Zach Eady and Braden Smith have been playing at such a high level against the, the premier competition. Uh, that's also made it, you know, from an inter- entertainment value. That has really just uh, made it icing on the cake. Uh, but yes, when you think about the run Purdue is on, and the the numbers now are starting to become historical, Greg, in a lot of ways. I mean, if Purdue wins on Friday night against Eastern Kentucky. Uh, that'll be three straight years without losing a regular season non-conference game. I mean, that, that is unheard of, especially when you look at Purdue's schedule this year. Right. Uh, if there ever was a time to lose a non-conference a regular season game, it would have been this year. Uh, so you think about that. You think about Purdue's been in the AP top five now for, I think it's 24 straight weeks or something like that. I mean, oh my gosh, in the top five, not the top 25, the top five in the country uh, for 24 straight weeks if you date back to, to last year. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a part of you that uh, wants to just kind of sit back and soak it all in and and appreciate it for what it's worth. But there's another part of you, and you know this, Greg, that you're just you're you're so uh, you're so entrenched and just kind of like the coaches, you're just moving on to the next game. You never really take the time to appreciate how good it's been. So uh, that's something I've tried to reflect on here these last couple of days off is just really enjoying just how much fun this thing has been. Uh, you know, the one, obviously, the one, the fly in the ointment is the loss last year in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Sure. Uh, man, you take that thing out of there, and wow, you have uh, you are really on a historic run. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I you know, when I looked at the, the pre-conference schedule this year, uh, I felt felt pretty confident in saying that uh, Purdue probably wasn't going to run the table this year in non-conference <laughs> play, and sure enough, I was completely wrong on that if, if Purdue can beat Eastern Kentucky Friday. So, uh, yeah, it's been, man, it's been fun. And, uh, of course, winning is always fun, but the, the, just the historic numbers that Purdue's putting up right now are just, uh, just been, uh, almost unbelievable. If you weren't a part of it, you, you maybe wouldn't believe it, but it's, it's been really a, just a ton of fun. Listen, we, we're all going to sit here and say, okay, how, how are Smith and lawyer better? And, and how's the backcourt better, you know, than it was a year ago? Let me go the other direction. It's hard to say be better when you were the, you know, consensus national player of the year but in your estimation is Zach Eady a better player than he was a year ago what what do you see that differentiates him from the already ridiculously high level he played at a season ago yeah it is kind of tough isn't it when you're the national player of the year uh to be even better the next season but he has been there's no doubt about that uh you know scoring wise the numbers are up slightly he was at you know 23 points a game last year uh, he's at 24 this year. The rebounding numbers are are down just a little bit, not much, uh, but the block shots are up. Uh, but he's really become a much more polished passer, uh, has Zach Eady, than he's ever been in his four years at Purdue. Uh, unfortunately for him, the numbers don't reflect it because he's uh, he's found a lot of wide-open guys on a perimeter that have just missed some open shots. 
uh, or his assist number would be higher. I think the one thing, though, Greg, for me that sticks out um, is the fact that he is doing his damage this year against the best of the best. Uh, If you look at his numbers across the board through these first 12 games, when Purdue has played a a mid-major or a low-major team, uh, his numbers have been very mediocre, uh, quite for in his for his standards, for yeah. his standards. But when he has played the best of the best, uh, his numbers have skyrocketed. I mean, uh, thirty-five against Alabama, uh, you know, uh, twenty twenty-eight and fifteen against Marquette, twenty-five and fourteen against Gonzaga. Yeah, and the other thing too is, I was looking at this just yesterday, just kind of messing around, whatever. And of of all of his his best games, if you would, this season. All but one of them has come away from Mackey Arena. Uh, he had a 28.11 rebound game against Xavier. That's the only home game where he's really put up monster numbers. So not only is he doing it against the best competition that there is is to offer, he's doing it away from the friendly confines of Mackey Arena. Two, two numbers that normally don't, uh, don't make any sense. Uh, and you know this. We often see guys at this level who put up some really ridiculous numbers. But when you really go back and – and really dissect them, you find that most of their better games came against the lesser competition. Sure. So you're right. They add, they kind of you know padded their stats a little bit, and and more often than not, their numbers are better at home because why? Obviously, you practice there. You're more you're more comfortable with that environment. It's exactly the opposite for Zach Eady. He's playing better against the better teams, and he's playing better away from Mackey Arena. So. That's what I really appreciate him. Uh, he's not putting up these these video game like numbers against lesser competition. He's he's doing it against the best of the best. That's what's made it so it's really so remarkable for me to watch. As I take a quick glance at the AP Top 25, Purdue is joined by other Big Ten schools. Illinois at number 11, Wisconsin at 23, and obviously the one blemish on the record is at Northwestern back on December the first. Knowing you're about to get back into Big Ten play. As of Tuesday in Maryland, who else in the B1G has your attention right now? Well, I think uh, the two you mentioned in Illinois and Wisconsin. Uh, Illinois, you know, look, you, you mentioned their number 11. Uh, remember now, Purdue plays Illinois right after Maryland on, on the 5th of January. So that's got, I mean, that's going to be a monster game. That's yet another uh, game for Purdue against a team ranked in the top right. 11. Which I think it'll be their fifth of the year already. And we're just now getting into January. Uh, so yeah, you you know that's potential number one versus number eleven, uh, and they're they're good. They're really good. I've watched them on TV a handful of times. They are uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. Just man, is, man, is he he's first team All American right now in my book. Uh, but I, so I would start with those two. Uh, and and quite frankly, Greg, I think uh, this is just me talking here, and I could end up being really wrong when it's all said and done. But if you look at Purdue's first three Big Ten games right out of the gate here, coming back to the new year uh, at Maryland. Uh, which is a team that the only team in our league that did not lose a home game last year. Uh, Maryland was the only Big Ten team that went through the home schedule unblemished in Big Ten play, and they quite frankly they they did, they they I wouldn't say they whooped Purdue last year at Maryland, but it, it was pretty close to being a whooping. They were much better than we were, uh, so that is going to be a tough one right out of the gate. Then the home game with Illinois just talked about, and then Purdue goes to Nebraska, where Purdue has traditionally not had a lot of success. Uh, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I'm guessing Purdue is maybe around 500, maybe, uh, at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So those first three games right there out of the gate, at Maryland, home Illinois, at Nebraska, uh, those are three really treacherous games to start league play. Um, I would say this, if Purdue rips off those three games and goes 3-0 and in that stretch, 
I would have a tough time believing that anyone's really going to really going to challenge Purdue in the Big Ten this year. I think that's just a sign of what's to come. Now, if Purdue stumbles once or twice, maybe three times, uh, to open up that schedule in January, then, yeah, it's going to be game on for the rest of the league, at least the teams that really feel like they have a shot. So, um, yeah, I would – I know you asked me specifically for teams, but I would more I would go more specific and say those first three games when Purdue heads back into Big Ten play, those are really going to be the three that I think I think will set the table for Purdue. Like I said, success in those three, I think you're feeling pretty good about about winning the league, uh, even though you'd only be five games in at that point. But man, you you, you stumble once or twice there, it, it 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 could get awful treacherous all of a sudden. The voice of the Boilermakers, Rob Blackman, our guest, Greg Rakes, in for JMV here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Um, while you appreciate the downtime and, and, and getting off the road for a little bit, weird to be turning on bowl games and realizing you don't have one of those to do this year? Yeah, and really felt even more weird watching Minnesota yesterday. Right. Uh, I mean, they're five and seven, uh, and they won. I mean, so you know they finished six and seven. That's a team Purdue beat, <laughs> and and then watching Northwestern a couple of days prior to that win their bowl game. Um, it's so crazy because look, the Big Ten West was not very good. Let's all be very honest here. The Big Ten West division for its final uh, for its final year of existence didn't go out with a bang, but. Those two teams out of the Big Ten West, they won their two bowl games. So I don't know if that says anything for the Big Ten West or maybe the level of competition they're playing in the postseason. But, yeah, it uh, you know, to go 4-8 and eight and, and, gosh darn, have been so close uh, to feel like you could have won at Northwestern if, if you would have had Hudson Card play in that game. And, quite frankly, you go back to early in the season and, and you look at uh, – uh, produce uh, the early season uh, loss to Fresno State. You felt like, man, if you'd have gotten that one. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, it feels kind of weird to be watching other teams in a Big Ten competing in postseason play. Uh, however, I would also Purdue fans who remember the last time Purdue was in a bowl game, which is around about this time last year. Uh, let's just say that one didn't go so no. well. Uh, I think the score was like 115 to three or something like that, if I remember correctly. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, yes. Uh, to answer the question, feels a little bit weird, but I would also throw this in there. I do feel like Ryan Walters has this program headed in the right direction. Uh, just going just gonna to take a little time. Speaking of, of, of bowl games that are coming up, you've been a little busy, but you've been keeping an eye on the on what Jeff Brom did in year number one at his alma mater and knowing that his bowl game's coming up down the, the, the pipeline very soon here. Yeah, I've been paying attention uh, just because I really like Jeff and, and know he took so many of that members of that staff with him, guys that I had gotten known and like, I had gotten to know and like very much. So um, maybe the Purdue fans won't like me saying this, but I secretly <laughs> was rooting for Jeff. Uh, again, I always liked him and, and I'm glad he's having success at his ultimate, at his alma mater. And quite frankly, uh, I was never a person that was uh, upset with him making that move because I understood why he made the move. And more importantly, yeah. he did, he did exactly what he was, what he was hired to do at Purdue. And that was take a football program that was sinking quickly to the bottom of the ocean, the deepest ocean on earth, and and get that thing back afloat. And not only afloat, but make it competitive again. I mean, he he did win the Big Ten West uh, when he was headed out the door at Purdue. So I, I was I was never angry with Jeff or you know any hard feelings. I thought he did exactly what, what Purdue paid him to do and. Uh, got the Purdue football program back on solid footing. And as they say, you know, if your job is to leave it better off than how you found it, well, that, that's exactly what he did. A couple quick things and we'll let you go. I'll get back to, to football in a matter of moments. 
Has it sunk into you yet? Maybe because, again, in basketball, you do get to travel a little bit more than you do in football. But that you're going to have regular trips to L.A. and Eugene and Seattle and refer to those as, as conference games. Has that really become a reality to you just yet? Not yet, although I will uh, I will say this, and we were flying home from Honolulu. <laughs> Honolulu to O'Hare is about eight and a half hours, roughly, right. as long as you have a nice tailwind, which we did. And I was thinking, man, this is a, this is a long trip, but you know we're going to be doing four and a four four and a half hour trips yeah. out west here pretty soon. So yeah, at about the four hour mark coming home from there, I'm like, okay, now this would be about when we'd be starting our trip home <laughs> from right. LA uh, when we play UCLA or, or you know whomever or uh, Oregon or whomever. So yeah, I don't know that it's setting quite yet, but uh, it's it's crazy from Purdue football standpoint. Purdue only goes west one time next year, and it's a non-conference game. It's at, it's at uh, Oregon State, of all places, uh, in a non-conference game. It's the only time Purdue goes west next year uh, in football. But, yes, that that's about to start very soon, obviously, next year with basketball and uh, it'll it'll uh, it'll add some uh, yeah some some sleepless nights. Unfortunately, taking those red eye flights coming home. Finally, before we let you go, uh, you are clearly one of the foremost experts in all things Purdue athletics. In very much more of a niche, you are also uh, one of Indianapolis's foremost experts on arena football, which <laughs> returns in a couple of years to the new arena that's being constructed up in Fishers. As a guy that made his living for the four years that the Indiana Firebirds were in existence from 2001 through 2004, A, I can't believe it's been 20 years ago, and B, um, just thoughts on thinking there's going to be a, again, a different level, I acknowledge that, but that arena football is returning to the Indianapolis area in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, I saw that just a couple of weeks ago. I had read a story on that, Greg, and um, look, I was always a big proponent of arena football. I still am. I, I think for the price point, uh, for what it was, uh, if, if you understood as a fan going into it exactly what it was, then you had a hell of a fun time. Now, if you walked in there thinking you were going to see the NFL, then you probably walked out disappointed. And But that's on you. You should have known what you're getting <laughs> yourself into uh, because that arena football is a lot of fun, uh, especially f- f- from a fan-friendly perspective. I would say you it's it's tough to find a sport that's more fan friendly than that is. So I am happy to see it coming back to uh coming back to the greater Indianapolis area. Um so yeah, I'm uh, I was actually really excited when I saw that. I actually texted a few old Firebirds buddies and and let them know that it was coming back here to the area. So uh, I'm as I said, I've I've always been a huge proponent of the Arena Football League uh in whatever form it is. So I'm 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 really pleased to see it come back, and I'll I think I'll probably go to a game or two just for the heck of it, just to relive some old memories. Very cool, my friend. Let you go back in hibernation for a couple more days. I appreciate you taking some time. Have fun against the Colonels on Friday night. I'm sure I'll pass across soon. Awesome, thank you, Greg. You got it, buddy. Rob Blackman again, basketball voice, football pre, half, and post. Again, Boilermaker fans, you are lucky to have him, one of many great guests that we have on the, again, Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline on this Wednesday afternoon. We are now guest-free, though, between now and 4.30, which means I have to do some heavy lifting. Uh, I'm going to go down some Duke's Mayo so I can get all, you know, fired up for the remainder of the program. Scott Agnes, Josh Schertz in the next hour. Joe Wrights, Kyle Nenrip during the 5 o'clock hour. You and me, whether it's on the telephone lines or Twitter, when we come back. Greg Rakestraw filling in for JMV, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Give me my theme music! Yeah! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. During the break, I discovered that John had a road show tomorrow. So I predict that John will make a miraculous recovery and be back on these airwaves tomorrow afternoon. It was Brian No yesterday, Greg Rakestraw filling in today, and you can be a part of the festivities if you'd like to at 317-239-1070. I, of course, being obstinate, sat in the chair that John normally doesn't sit in. As if, you know, I didn't want to, you know, literally keep his seat warm, a common turn of phrase somebody fills in, but yet John doesn't like it when you actually keep his seat warm. He has to find another room temperature chair. So maybe that's why I sat on the other half of the studio. Maybe it's some weird thing, like somebody walks to you, I can actually turn and look at them from this spot. Perhaps it was just also simply a matter of, the first time I walked in this room in its new alignment, this is the seat that I sat in. So, by God, that's where I think you're supposed to sit when you're doing this show. Now, James, do we have a phone caller? Yes, we do. We since, have since, uh, Macho Mike on the since line. I, since I don't have a, a phone screener, I have to rely on James to tell me, hey, somebody is calling the program. And of course, it's like Christmas. So, like, there's no like no interns. We can make like you know make them write something on a marker board and flash. Hey, here is your next caller, Michael. How are you, sir? Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. Can you say Happy Holidays to Angel real quick? Just say Happy Holidays, Angel. And Happy Holidays to to everyone affiliated with you, Mister Macho Mike Sullivan. She will go to right ear, and uh, she will to right ear for you. (laughs) <laughs> happy holidays to you yes sir and uh keep trees in your prayers and uh, haven't seen you since the banquet this summer but uh god bless you and take care you're special you do a lot of good things and everything and uh one thing i, I have a problem with a lot of people did i still think florida state got a raw deal you know what but i understand it and such is such is the nature of when you're going to pick four the fifth team's going to get mad um right. and and so it's about are you setting things up for the show are you going by actually what the teams accomplished during the course of the season because if it had gone the other direction okay and if Florida State had been selected and if they get hammered like 59 to 3 on Saturday or Sunday or whenever they're playing i guess Monday cuz it's cuz it's New Year's Day then people have been up in arms about that you know what the best way to fix the situation is? The way that they are actually fixing the situation by having guaranteed bids for the champions of the power leagues and a guaranteed bid for the top team outside of the power four or power five or whatever we're going to refer to it now with the demise of the Pac-12. So felt bad for the Seminoles and they get a raw deal? Yeah, probably. But I would say blame the system. And you know what? The system has already been changed. You want to know why? Because they figured out they could make more money 
off of a new system. And now in the unabashed capitalism era of college sports, the money actually leads you, in this case, to the proper conclusion. More telephone calls, more your tweets, more me of figuring out what to talk about for the course of like 20-minute stretches at a time on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the bizarre. <laughs> He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yes, I know I laughed on the air that that, that but that was funny. It's life of Brian. It's tremendous. See, I think there's things that James gets to play when I'm in because, you know, he realizes that over that luxurious hair from We Grow Wendy that John has, it would fly right by it. Me, I pick up on those things. Nicely done. I forget. I've got a friend that for some reason, like, it was like his Christmas tradition was to watch Life of Brian. I'm not sure why that was the case. I'm like, all right, it's, it's something different. Interesting. Uh, open phone lines this segment, and I was told just now my agent called me and said, listen, you're not working past 540 today, that the Colts daily update is going to go at 545 so we can get you to the Jake Query favorite, Duke's Mayo Bowl at 6 o'clock. That's... Same pay, less work for me. I'm, I'm not going to argue with this. Sweetheart will be home by 6 o'clock this evening. So um, if you got something you want to say, I've like booked the rest of the show with tremendous guests. So literally, you got something you want to talk about? Now is the time at 317-239-1070. Again, not my cell phone. Although if, if, if the next caller who is who I think it is, he actually has my cell phone. J.J. is up next. Hello, J.J. How are you? Hey, Greg. This is J.J. from Muncie. I don't have your you cell don't, phone. It's a different J.J., but I'm happy to talk to you, my friend. How are you? I'm good, good. Home of the Ball State. Cardinals in Muncie. Always fly the Chicago W, my man. You doing all right? I'm good. What do you have for us today? Hey, real quick, three quick points. Uh, Purdue, and I don't see why some basketball teams don't do it like the NCAA football. They need to uh, start, and, and, and even the higher ranks, start really putting the pound down on some of these games. Don't run, yeah, I mean, run up the point where you can really go in comfortably, but don't pull off the uh, pedal too early. I, I think they need to run it just like football. Secondly, what's going on? What would be your, I guess, your opinion as far as what causes the Colts to be inconsistent in how they win the games? And thirdly, uh, you said something about obstinate, abstinent. Congratulations on your abstinence. <laughs> Have a good one, brother. I've been married for 24 years, man. I'm abstinent, whether, whether I actually, you know, had the choice to or not. That's just called life getting in the way. Um, obstinate was the word you were looking at. But, J.J., thanks for playing along. I appreciate that. Um, but in terms of and, – and I and I got this in terms of – I think the interview I did yesterday with Brian, uh, for as 
for as excited as I am about the future of this Colts football team, for the opportunity that is in front of them in terms of being a playoff team, heck, potentially even winning the AFC South because that's there. And again, it's not going to be easy to beat the Raiders on Sunday. Man, Raiders look pretty doggone good on defense. Offense, average, but defensively look good in beating the Chiefs on Monday afternoon. And I know that C.J. Stroud's not played the last couple of weeks. If he can play this week to keep the Texans in it, um, Houston's going to be a tough out. So it's not a, it's far from a guarantee. So we said about this Colts team all year long. They can beat anybody. And they can be beaten by anybody. And so if you say, hey, why are, why are the Colts seemingly so up and down? Well, it's because they're an average football team. And I, and I don't say that as, uh, you know, a, a, you know, to be derogatory. It's just what they are. And I'm literally pulling up the standings because I had this stat on Sunday in the postgame show. And now I'm going to do a quick check of the fingers and toes. Nothing like me counting live on the air. I'll try to do this, you know, mentally without you having to hear it. But for example, 12 of 16 AFC teams have a mathematical possibility. Well, not that many. There we go. Nine teams of 16 in the AFC have a chance. Not of making the playoffs. That number is actually still 12. But nine of 16 teams in the AFC have a chance of finishing within a game of 500, either at 9 and 8 or 8 and 9. If I did the same exercise in the NFC, that number would be 9. So, in other words, literally 18 of 32 teams have a chance of finishing not at 500, but a game over or a game under. In other words, there's a whole lot of average in the National Football League these days. I know Jake has gone to the turn of phrase of the vat of mediocrity. And there are probably some bigger picture issues that you know we could discuss on that take from the National Football League or on that front from the National Football League. Being a guy that works for the Colts and having gone through last year and how not fun that was, This year's been a whole lot better. It's not been perfect, but it's been a whole lot better. And again, I see very much the positive direction which this organization is heading. But in terms of, hey, looking terrible against the Bengals, looking great against the Steelers, looking bad against the Falcons, that's what you are when you are a middle-of-the-pack football team. JJ, thanks for the phone call. Um, We literally have, it's like asking Siri. I can ask James. He's my verbal call screener. James, who is up next on the hit parade? We have got Brandon on line one. Hello, Brandon. How are you? Hey, Greg. How's it going? Uh, Oh, my goodness, buddy. It is good to hear from you. How have you been? I'm doing all right. Well, I don't call the uh, postgame show. I know. I miss you. Well, because you don't get really a lot of time, but that's okay. Well, if you call the show, Brandon, you kind of know the host. We might give you some more time. I thought you quit calling because we stopped giving out Subway sandwiches. Well, that was part of it. But, uh, well, you know, and I love my Bengals, too. But, hey, uh, listen, I think, I think you know, the Colts, I would take this year over last or a lot of last year. 
And I, th- I think it would be better if the Colts could win the division. Now, if they can't, I mean, because you have to go on the road somewhere. But right. It, it, and it, I thought the way it was, the way the math was, if Jacksonville lost – at least once out of the three games, and the Colts won out. They won the Correct. Division. That is that is exactly the way it is. Yes, the Colts have to win out. Jacksonville has to lose one, which we wouldn't have said was likely, you know, three or four weeks ago, knowing the fact that the Jaguars finished with the Panthers and the Titans. But given how they have played, certainly anything is possible. Right. So, so right. So, they win the division, then that opens up kind of the wiggle room for Bengals and everybody else. But are you going to be up here this weekend for the for the Hall of Fame class? I will be there Friday night, and I will be there all day Saturday. Yes, sir. Now, do you have to have the uh, the network to get, or can you actually download an app to get the games? You can download the app, the ISC Sports Network app. The games, which Brandon is referring to, being in Newcastle, the Hall of Fame Classic, uh, the girls on Friday, the boys on Saturday, they are all free streams. So iscsportsnetwork.com, ihsaatv.org. ISC's YouTube and Twitter feeds, and then the Saturday Night Boys uh, Consolation and Championship games can be seen on my Indy TV 23 as well. How's that well, for great. informative for you? That that's that's great, man. And you guys do a great job with you and Bill Brooks, and you do a great job with everything you do. And um, keep in touch, man. We'll have you to- do the same, okay, Brad? It's good to hear from you, buddy. All right, buddy. Take uh, it easy. You Merry got it. New Year. Uh, yeah, same to you. See, this is what like you know the post game show turns into. You know, we have our regulars that call the show, and we treat you like family when we call the program. 317-239-1070, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show, greg at 1070thefan.com. A bit of news, and I, I do want to kind of get into, you know, like I said, I, I teased this a segment or two ago, talking about Colts contract scenarios and why it's not just potentially a straight line of, well, four wins last year. Eight or more wins this year. Um, Ten to twelve wins next year. It's possible, but it's not exactly guaranteed. We'll get to that in a matter of moments. But a little NFL draft news from a player that, well, I was calling his games from his freshman year of high school on. Congratulations to Carson Steele, the former Center Grove Trojan, who spent two years at Ball State, then last year at UCLA. There will not be a return to the Midwest as part of the new Big Ten for Carson playing for UCLA because he is going to the NFL draft. After rushing in his sophomore season for just shy of 1,600 yards for the Ball State Cardinals, Carson this year, and you always wonder, all right, you're going from being a big fish in a smaller pond to a, well, maybe in the Pac-12's case, because of the proximity to it, to the Pacific Ocean. Well, Carson held his own. 847 yards rushing, six touchdowns. He has over 1,000 yards from scrimmage, combining his rushing yards and receiving yards in all three of his years of college football. And like any good running back, especially one that played at the high level of high school football locally that Carson played, and also knowing that he missed... Would have been, what, his junior year, a large chunk of that due to injury? Um, He's making the wise move. He's going straight to the National Football League. He is entering the NFL draft. So I'm sure that uh, there will be a visit or two from him 
on this radio station, on this radio program. But uh, that was just announced this afternoon that Carson Steele is bound for the NFL draft and want to make sure we wish nothing but the best for him. 317-239-1070. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show to greg at 1070thefan.com. Free agents for the Indianapolis Colts. And again, I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds of, hey, what does 2024 look like when you have so much to play for in 2023? Okay, I acknowledge that. Especially <laughs> by this time last year, we were all about 2023. We knew that from like the first week of December on. There wasn't exactly going to be much, uh, much for us to talk about. We can go straight to free agency and, 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 and the NFL draft. Not so much this year. Everything is on the table. Nothing is guaranteed, but everything is on the table. In terms of question marks going into next year for this team, you got to make a decision on Julian Blackman, and I'm doing these kind of randomly. you got to make a decision on Grover Stewart. What does your quarterback position look like other than Anthony Richardson because again I again the Colts would love to have Gardner Minshew back I've got to think that he is going to head somewhere else for a chance to be a starting quarterback obviously there's a, a decision made on Michael Pittman Jr. But I, I don't think that's much of a decision that you have yet that, that needs to be made. Pay that man. I'm not going to do a, a lame Teddy KGB impersonation, but pay that man his money. And I don't think you needed his absence on Sunday to kind of drive that point home. He's earned his cash with 99 catches, you know, up until this past week's game through the 14 games he has played this year. But you want to know what the Colts' offense would look like without him? They scored their first drive. They had one more field goal the rest of the way. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be coming back for the Indianapolis Colts. And by the way, we we always want to try to compare players to those that have come previously with a franchise it's a ridiculously high bar that we set but the bar for Andrew Luck was always going to be well how's it compared to Peyton Manning and receivers you know even with T.Y. Hilton it was well how does he you know the next Marvin Harrison the next Reggie Wayne the most apropos comparison for Michael Pittman Jr. that I can think of played for the Colts but briefly you don't remember the days he played for the Colts you want to remember the times that he played against the Indianapolis Colts. I see a lot of Andre Johnson and Michael Pittman Jr. In other words, the guy that's going to get you the tough yards, the guy that's going to rack up big numbers, the guy that is durable, unless a dirty hit knocks him out of the game or for, you know, for the next week, or um, just, just a tough dude. That's the guy that I see when I see Michael Pittman Jr. So, yes, he is a big free agent decision that you have to make, but I, I kind of get to feeling 
that decision has already been made that he's going to be back with this football team next year. I think the whole, is he a one, is he a two? I think we've answered that over the course of the last three and a half months. So Grover Stewart, Julian Blackman, Michael Pittman Jr. Those are the decisions you have to make in the offseason. For Grover, it'd be kind of a second big contract. But, and I realize he, he missed time. And again, I, I do think that was simply a one-time mistake that does not get made again. And next year would be his eighth year in the National Football League. But I also think that defensive line position is one that guys can play for a long time. I mean, let's go back all of three days. Like, Calais Campbell was doing the dirty bird for the Falcons on Sunday because he might be the lone player in the league that's still left from the last time they were doing the dirty bird in Atlanta. Because seemingly he has played forever. So I'd bring back Grover Stewart. Julian Blackman is is a little bit of a a different scenario because he really had a good year for this football team. And maybe, maybe he's back for the playoffs if the Colts make him. But it has been a, a cascade of injuries again. He was an Iron Man until that shoulder injury. But it was the knee in college. It was the Achilles in practice. Now there's the shoulder injury. And you've got two young safeties in Thomas and Cross. And this next couple of weeks to see how those two pair together, I think really makes that determination for Chris Ballard and company as to what this football team looks like next year. But for those that want to have the 2024 conversation about this football team, before the season is put to bed, that's where your head needs to be. And you can think about, all right, you need to add some help at wide receiver. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And again, Sunday was an example of why you need to do that. Um, can you be better at, at at the tackle position? Maybe. But you know the, the best news about the tackle position that I can give you right now is the fact that Braden Smith, today was a walkthrough, but they still have to give injury estimates. And the estimate is Braden Smith would have been a full participant at practice if it had been the full-on practice today. And Braden Smith being back at right tackle makes the world a whole lot easier for Gardner Minshew coming up on Sunday afternoon against the Las Vegas Raiders. By the way, the only guys would have been ruled out. Uh, Lawrence Central grad Cam McGrone in terms of linebacker out due to illness. DJ Montgomery out due to a groin injury. And obviously we didn't hear much from DJ this past week after his two-catch and touchdown performance the week before against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Zach Moss, Saguna Luby, and the aforementioned Michael Pittman Jr. Limited participants. Again, everything today is an estimate. So as you're looking for 2024 for this Colts team, what are you going to do on Julian Blackman? What are you going to do on Grover Stewart? Again, I, I don't think it's a what are you going to do. I think it's a how much budget do you have to set aside for Michael Pittman Jr.? Because that man has earned that money. To me, there's little doubt about that in my mind.
317-239-1070. At Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. Email the show to greg at 1070thefan.com. I referenced my hat being vintage. Our buddy in Big Ten country now in Southern California uh, in Jim says, the majority of experts have agreed that items over 50 years old but less than 100 can be called vintage or collectible but not antique. Um, does your upcoming birthday qualify you as vintage? No, but very close. I'm getting very close to that number 50 number. Not there yet, and feel like it more each and every day. But the hat's vintage. Actually, it's not. It's just so worn in from the last seven or eight years. It just looks like it's vintage. Jim, good to hear from you, buddy. Hope you're enjoying the program out on the West Coast on this uh, holiday week. We will get to our break early because I want to make sure I give enough time for Scott Agnes to talk all things Indiana Pacers. Pacers got a win last night on the road in Houston. That's a good thing, full stop. I still have some concerns. We'll talk about those with Scott from Fieldhouse Files when we come back. Greg Rakestroyd for JMV, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fam. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Everybody freeze. Everybody down on the ground. Well, which is it, young feller? You want I should freeze or get down on the ground? If I freeze, I can't rightly drop. And if I drop, I'm going to be in motion. You see? Shut up! Okay, then. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. How many raising Arizona bites do you have over there, James? Does that completely exhaust the catalog? That does. Those That's are the, it. Those are You've the got two. both of them mm-hmm. on the program today. Um, we get to exit a little bit early today because we're going to bowl coverage at 6 o'clock. Of course, the Colts Daily Update with the radio voice of the Colts and Matt Taylor uh, at 545 before that. Um, there is this. There's a trio of bowl games that are taking place today. Right now, the military bowl is being played. Uh, I know the teams that are taking part in it. It's Virginia Tech and Tulane. I have no idea where it's being played, but it looks utterly miserable there. It is just raining in buckets wherever that game is played. Um, and obviously, there are more players exiting bowl games. There are some schools that you're like, I'm not sure they got enough dudes to actually be able to play in a bowl game. Uh, it's just the way of the world, and that's not going to get any better because now with the playoff going from 4 until 12, um, yeah, you get the idea. Listen, um, as long as ESPN's paying for it, as long as they need programming, and to be blunt – as long as people are wagering on bowl games, they are still going to happen. And I'm always happy for these guys to get a chance to play that want to play in the game. I'm not sure these dudes are happy to be playing right now. It just looks just nasty. Uh, wherever the military bowl is being played as we speak. 
Let's talk a little basketball, shall we? Normally played indoors, at least at the NBA level. Last night was played in Houston, Texas. Pacers win against the Rockets, and that is a good thing. Defense, still optional at times, and that is to some degree the league, but still something the Pacers have to be better at. Talking about that and more from Fieldhouse Files, 1075thefan.com, and occasionally ESPN+. Plus. That would be Scott Agnes that joins us now. Merry Christmas, my friend. How are you? Merry Christmas, my guy. Yeah, the one reason we like basketball, right? You can control the elements. Uh, Maybe that's why me and you have gotten into more basketball probably than anything. Scotty, I have had a basketball game rained out in the past, by the way. There was a leaky roof that did cost (laughs) me game. I'm going to say the Pacers have experienced that as well down in New Orleans. There's been rain delay theater uh, at at times that have happened as well. Thankfully, (laughs) no such issues like that last night. Again, defense a bit leaky. But they got the win. So so let's let's start with that. The importance of that W last night. It's one of eighty two, I get it. But the overall importance of last night's game was what in your mind? I think I think it's reestablishing themselves. That's kind of what this last week here is before the new year. And not just because entering twenty twenty four, it's because then they face a gauntlet of a schedule coming up next month where uh they even includes a road trip where they head out out west for six in a row. So you really got to take advantage of these games to end this week while they can. And so uh, it was a lot about Tyrese Halliburton kind of navigating through his new reality, something I'm writing about right now. In fact, just the the ball pressure, whether it's being from full court or opponents sending two, two on him in the front court, those sorts of things. And we finally saw Rick Carlisle follow through with some kind of change. He's hinted at it about three times this season and last night changed to the starting lineup. Uh, but then they ultimately ended the, the game with the starting lineup from last year. So very small sample size, but many things for us to discuss and consider. All right, clearly, uh, and, and I've got the example of how Rick coached this team 20 years ago, uh, and I love Rick's adaptability, uh, how he has changed, how he coaches from two and three decades ago to how he coaches now, because that's the way the NBA has changed. But, but if a little bit of that defense from the mid-2000s Pacers creeped in here, that would be a good thing. Is this team capable of being a better defensive team than what they have showed so far this year? I think so. Better, yes. Good, no. But <laughs> certainly better than they currently are and currently exist. Because uh, as it's been all season, it's a personnel problem, first and foremost. Then it trickles down to... Uh, guys and, and their their want to the effort they place on that end of the floor do they uh, leak out trying to maximize the offensive end and, and some of them just aren't great defenders but you can at least try and make an effort and that's gotten better I will say over the last three games four games really in particular well that where they have held all four of their opponents below 120 points which yeah if you go back to Rick 10 years ago and say your opponent scored 120 you'd probably chalk it up as an automatic win win for the opponent but not anymore now you really need 125 130 in today's game to register a win and Pacers scored 123 in last night's win so um how apt are the Pacers going to be to make moves come February knowing that they've got they've got the offensive part largely figured out mm-hmm. but you got to have a defensive piece or two to mix in with those other guys just how flexible, how, what's the potential of this team making a move to shore up the weaker side uh, of the operation? Yeah, and more than just defense, Greg. They just need a sixth 
they need a, a wing, a player on the wing with some size. It's something they've needed for three, four years, quite frankly, is that six, seven, six foot eight, three or four man who can also defend and, and help at the offensive end. And so like last night, you, you take uh, Aaron Neesmith. He finished the game. He's playing the four. He's going against, uh, you know, Terry Eason, who's 6'11 out there. So he has at least a five-inch difference right there. That's what you, this team, from a personnel standpoint, not, it's not on the players. That has to be shored up. Um, and so I, in terms of what you're looking at here at the upcoming trade deadline, I think there's absolutely an appetite for the Pacers to make a move from their standpoint. The challenge is always, <laughs> is there someone? Is there a willing dance right. <laughs> partner out there? I don't fault the Pacers in free agency. Or yeah, in free agency this past summer, they tried. They tried on draft night. They tried after draft night, leading in um, on the front end of free agency of trying to go get one of those wings that I just talked about, um, and just came up empty. They also have to consider the circumstances. A guy that's maybe in his the final year of his contract. You know, do you is that a player you want to bring in because you know you'll have the upper hand in resigning, or what kind of risk are you willing to tolerate? What if you send out one of your young players and two first round picks only for that player to be on the fence about being there? So that's the tough part when you're trying to be the Pacers front office and make moves. But I, I think they are and absolutely have to be uh, involved in trying to effort at least a couple moves here because whether it's adding to their roster or just maximizing value based on what they plan to do this upcoming summer, there's a variety of different paths they need and should go towards. I was going to say, have you gotten to the point yet, Scott, where you're, you started to kind of target, hey, it's one thing to want to change, another thing to have a, a dance partner to work with you. So have you gotten to the point yet where you're starting to target and say, hey, I think these are the names slash pieces that could be available come trade deadline time? Yeah, the biggest question across the league is what in the world is Toronto doing and going to do? You know, they have a new head coach this year. They they blew out Nick Nurse and he's on to Philadelphia. They wanted a change. Well, are they going to make a change to their roster, whether it's the Pascal Siakam is something very real. I wrote about it this summer. Pacers tried sure. to get him. And at the trade deadline, tried to get OG Ananobi. And the asking price was just far too high, even if I'm – not, I'm not sure anyone believes that the Raptors would have parted ways, even if he really agreed to, say, four first-round picks for OG Ananobi, which I think is an overpay, for example. Like, at what point is OG, who would fill a great need here, uh, and be likable and, and to what the Pacers need. Do you really want to, um, say, be on the hook for him for $40 million a year for, say, the next five years, which very likely might be that contract coming to him this summer? That's the other thing you have to consider here. Now, specifically, I would say that one of those Toronto players, um, uh, and then the other one I keep hearing about in, in his situation is in, over in Utah with Laurie Markin and a right. power forward, an all-star, uh, another player that would come in and immediately help. It seems... You know, it, it's risky, but it seems like that's more likely to be – he's more likely to re-sign in Utah. But, again, until you really get into mid-January, that's when I think substantive real conversations start to be had. They, they uh, you know, the, the perspective, the, the um, scuttlebutt, that all started last week in Orlando at the G League Showcase. Nothing will really happen until the end of January, most likely. On the flip side, who are the marketable pieces here? 
who are the who are the players to, to to get something of value? You can't just say, well, these are the four guys that ain't playing. You can have all four of those guys. Four for one, that works, right? No, that's not the way this works. To get something back, you have to give up something of value. What are the things of value the Pacers have to work with? Of value that would help move a deal along would certainly be someone like Matherin, like Nemhart, uh, your two second-year players right. um, that have a lot of intrigue and um, present value and future value. Um, and then outside of that, it, it's all team – it's all based on that opposing team and what their needs are, right? There's probably somewhat of a market for Buddy Heald. However, are you going to get ton back knowing he's entering a contract year? Um, but that's also something the Pacers have to consider. I almost think it's more likely if the Pacers come up empty that they do the same thing they did with Miles last year. Renegotiate, extend a rare thing that they can take advantage of. It gives Buddy more money this year, taking advantage of unused cap space. That's certainly a possibility out there. They talked in the uh, offseason and the number was just not high enough for Buddy to even consider it. Uh, outside of that, I think the other player with with good value would be T.J. McConnell. Look, last night in Houston, doesn't even play again. A coach's decision. I think he's far too good of player to be getting coaches' decisions. He He's an instant energy impact guy um, who hustles. Every team has a need for that. But there's certainly some some contenders and some, some teams out there with that need that could love the leadership as well. I think it's Charlotte. Um, Orlando could use a point guard like him. Um, but then the, the, the team that's really been after him for almost six months is Phoenix. So I think T.J. McConnell has some value, uh, but certainly nothing that would you know help move the needle with a, a Pascal Siakam, for example. I was going to say that that, that would, was my immediate response is I'm a big fan of T.J. McConnell. He has been a far better player than I ever thought he would be coming to the Indiana mm-hmm. Pacers. So I hate phrasing this next statement back is, what exactly do you get back for a T.J. McConnell? As much as I love him and want to see him stay, and I think even if he's not playing, there's great value in the locker room. If that's a movable piece, what exactly are you getting back for T.J. McConnell at this point? Yeah, and Greg, I think that's probably the reason the Pacers have held off to this yeah. point is he has more value when he plays or helps on the bench versus that prospective second-round pick that – you know, fans are sitting there like, hey, this second round, future second round pick doesn't help me today. That's right. Uh, you know, they don't get excited about that. So realistically, probably a, a future second, maybe another guy who's in a contract year, um, kind of like an experimental type player like Jalen Smith was with the Pacers and Phoenix. Remember that trade? Phoenix wasn't going to resign him. They were going to part with him at the end of the year. So the Pacers were able to get something uh, in ret- the other team was able to get something in return there. But uh, again, I think that's more of a, maybe we can help him out. We free a roster spot. Then we make another trade down the line. couple quick things and, and, and then we'll let you go. Um, how big of a topic in other NBA locker rooms is what's going on with the Detroit Pistons right now? How much of a topic of conversation is this? For a guy that yeah covers them tangentially for another you know team in the division, but how much of a talking mm-hmm. point is this elsewhere around the NBA? I think it's 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 certainly in the conversation. Considering that Detroit in the recent history has kind of been irrelevant, they're relevant right now because of how poor, how awkward, how stunning this is. How Monty Williams got the largest contract right. uh, just as a head coach. Now I think Popovich has him uh, with perhaps maybe a ba- greater salary, but we know he basically runs basketball operations in large part as well, or at least has significant influence. But from a coaching standpoint, they paid Monty Williams to come here and try to jumpstart this team. They also have some talent. 
uh, a lot of different individuals there. It just doesn't seem to be the right combination. And so, yeah, you, I'm, I'm, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, for example, basketball junkie, he's watching games every night. Now we haven't, we very little do you get these side off conversations like you used to back in the nice days several years ago, especially where you can talk about this stuff quietly or off the record or whatever versus a podium. But yeah, certainly being in the division where Milwaukee's dominated, uh, a lot of red flags right there. And now I will say a local connection, Dan Burke's on that staff. He's been away due to personal reasons the last couple of months, but I would just think how miserable that situation would seemingly be for someone like him and everybody involved there is they just haven't been able to get that. It reminds me of an Indy car here. Like the first lap, every other team's about 25 games in. The Pistons <laughs> are still trying to jumpstart their car, Greg. That's not good. Uh, the stat that I heard is that the Arizona Diamondbacks have more recently won a game uh, than, the, uh, than the Detroit Pistons, and that is far from a good thing. All right, next two up, Bulls and Knicks. And not to overlook those because the Pacers, kind of like the Colts, not a team that can overlook anybody, can beat anybody, can be beaten by anybody on a given night. But let me go ahead and fast forward past those two because mm-hmm. it's the Bucks in back-to-back games next week. What do you expect in those two given how things ended the last time around? <laughs> yeah, I think there's going to be some tensions. I think there's going to be some back and forth. I would, I would be more surprised if officials aren't having to separate a few players. And I'm not even just talking about the game ball situation, game ball gate, whatever you want to call it, which – We haven't gotten an official answer about, but I don't see, based on the visual evidence, how the Bucs did not get that basketball. Their security guard had it. That's a different conversation because keep in mind, too, during that game, Giannis kind of gave Halliburton an elbow, almost like, hey, I want to knock you down back to earth here. I know you guys went on this big high run of the in-season tournament, including beating the Bucs. Just keep in mind, we're the powers of the East for now type thing. That's kind of what it felt like. And Tyrese, by the way, from – the Wisconsin area. Yep. So going back to Milwaukee, always a big game there. Um, and then Boston, who I think ever since the beginning of the season has been the best team in the league, assuming they have health with that starting lineup. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough. And with Chicago coming up tomorrow, Greg, that team was sputtering, like spinning their wheels here. Now they've certainly got it all together, it seems like, at least in a better form. They've won a four of five. So you can't even chalk that up as, yeah, that's probably a win. Let's go down to New York in the next line. So uh, a lot of issues at hand there for the Pacers right now. Again, Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, 1075thefan.com. Uh, what's coming up new on the Fieldhouse Files? What should fans be looking out for? Yeah, I got a Matt Ants game tonight, so I'll probably have something off that. But uh, biggest, bigger thing, um, I have a one-on-one conversation with Isaiah Jackson as he's taken on a larger role with the Pacers this season. And then – what is Tyrese doing and how does he feel about navigating this, this evolution of any star player of, of getting and attracting far more attention and what he is trying to figure out. And the short tease and all that is Tyrese jokes, how everybody seemingly has the answers. Uh, and he's laughing about that because, you know, he's in it. He knows what he's feeling, um, but he continues to be hearing about what he should and shouldn't do. And he's like, I think I just need to go through this and experience and adapt for myself. Sounds good, my friend. Happy holidays, buddy. Thanks for the time. Always appreciate it. Likewise. Appreciate it, Greg. Scott Agnes, Fieldhouse Files, kind enough to join us here on the ride without JMV. From talking about the Indiana Pacers to a different level of basketball, but a team that won when they played in the Pacers building less than two weeks ago and a walk down memory lane. Indiana State plays at Michigan State on Saturday afternoon. 
and Indiana State has the caliber of team, they just might get a road W. That's how good they've been playing to this point. It'll not be easy. Their head coach, Josh Schertz, will join us next. Greg Rakestraw for JMB, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I don't know what the hell's in there, but it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Josh Schertz, head coach of the Indiana State Sycamores, playing at Michigan State on Saturday afternoon. That game on Fox Sports 1, if you wanted to take that in on this Saturday afternoon. He'll join us coming up in a matter of moments. Joe writes in the 5 o'clock hour. Kyle Nedrip following him. We exit a little bit early today. Get to bail about 5.40 or so. The Colts' daily update, and then it's the Dukes' Mayo Bowl. And, well, we began the show because of Jake Query's diatribe against Mayo. And not surprisingly, I defended the honor of Mayonnaise, Miracle Whip, the entire genre to start this edition of the show. In case you just missed it, Scott Agnes of Fieldhouse Files, Rob Blackman before that. 317-239-1070, the telephone number, at Greg Rakestraw on Twitter. You can always email the show, too. Greg at 1070thefan.com. I got in this in kind of a secondary method with Scott Agnes in the last segment of the show, but the, the Detroit Pistons conversation is fascinating to me. And you start thinking about, again, there's like this line of thing about with Colin Cowherd about you know, wanting to watch greatness. Sometimes in just as equal of parts, you want to watch the other side of things as well. They were 2-1 and one at one point in time. They're 2-28 and 28 now. Thankfully, uh, that does not apply to Josh Schertz's team because while the Pistons haven't won since the end of October, the Indiana State Sycamores haven't lost since November the 10th. They can keep that streak going back in the resumption of Missouri Valley Conference play. That'll be something because they got Michigan State as their opponent coming up on Saturday afternoon. Head coach of Indiana State, Josh Schertz, going to join us now. Josh, thanks for the time. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Greg. Appreciate you having me on. Hope you had a great Christmas. Thank uh, you so much for having me on. Of course. A, a, an 11-day gap, which is rare in college hoops. How much of a break did you give kind of players and staff over these last few days? Well, yeah, I gave everybody I, – I, I was going to Miami, so they got whatever I got. I was I was the <laughs> king of the break. So I was uh, – but no, we, we played the 19th, and then the guys got out the 20th, and uh, – we went back to practice last night. I didn't want to bring him back on Christmas. So um, we kind of shortened the prep uh, four days, you know, once a day here, 26, 27, 29, going in. So tight turnaround, but felt like, you know, we, we you know, the, it, it, we had a long run there, long runway from August all the way through. And so I want to get the time to kind of fill the cup back up, refresh, rejuvenate. Because, um, so 12 years in, you still got two thirds years sitting in front of you. So, uh, so it's a long road to hoe, and I know they work hard. So guys came back pretty good shape, and you know we'll be ready to go Saturday for sure. All right, eleven and one, and a ten-game winning streak. So I, I know coaches don't think like this. Fans, media guys tend to do. 
What were your expectations for this group going into the season, and are you farther ahead than what you what you thought you would have been going into the new year? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. You know, I think that's necessary. I mean, look, if you told me before the season, hey, you're going to play this schedule, you're going to be eleven and one through twelve. I, I certainly signed up for it. Uh, no question. I think we had a group where. You know, we lost over 80% of our scoring from last year. Uh, you know, our top three scorers all graduated. We knew we had some good pieces back. We thought we did really well in the portal. Um, you know, we had some kids coming We had some guys where we helped But we didn't have the new players. We have nine, nine or 13 scouted players are new. Right. So uh, when you when you have that much turnover, there's a question of how to And so... Um, I'm going to jump in here, unfortunately, because as you can tell, uh, I, I know where the men's basketball office is. It might be where Josh is calling me from, the basement or the bowels of the Holman Center, because the connection is not going well. I was trying to give that as much as I could. I was able to make out like most syllables once we got to a certain point. That wasn't working. <laughs> so uh, we're letting him get to a, a little bit of higher ground, a, a little bit of better area, wherever the case may be. Because obviously I want to try to keep that conversation going because frankly, his team is worth talking about. And not just because of the nostalgic walk down memory lane that is the game against Michigan State coming up on Saturday. But again, this is shaping up to be a really good year for the mid-major in the state of Indiana. Indiana State's really good. Ball State's having a good run. Evansville in the Valley, as well as Indiana State, David Raglan has them going, doing great things. Purdue-Fort Wayne, John Kaufman's done some good things up in Fort Wayne. So this is a situation where there are several stories like this one. Frankly, the, the, the top of the charts are the Sycamores. We're going to give Josh Shirts take number two. Coach, you still with me? Yeah, I am with you. I'm sorry. I was in the Holman Center. So, you know, signal obviously dicer than what I'd hoped. Well, the thing is, that thing was built in the days when you had bomb shelters. That is one. That's good to know you're in a safe place uh, in in case you ever need it. So, all right. Now, let's get to talking about some of those guys in the portal. And and I know a little bit about Isaiah Swope because he played for Stan down at USI. What has Isaiah meant to your group making the jump up to the Valley this year? He's been fantastic. You're talking about a guy who's one of the, uh, you know, I think in my, my years doing it, 26 years now, he's probably uh, the best scorer, pure scorer I've coached, can do it all three levels, has the ability to, you know, score off the dribble, can, uh, can shoot with range, he gets to the rim, his mid-range game, uh, and the efficiency with which he does it is terrific. And he's an underrated defender. I mean, he's, I think he's second in the league in steals as well. As I'm looking at your overall stats – you're averaging attempting 25 threes a game. is right. and, and, again, that's obviously a, a big part of modern basketball. It's not exactly new at this point. Is there a certain number you want your guys to take during the course of a 40-minute game? You know, I, I no, there's really not. I mean, the way I view shots is we try to hunt the rim uh, every possession. You know, if you look at our team last year, we love the country in two point percentage. And, uh, you know, and, and so it always starts with trying to hunt the rim and play through paint attacks, play through paint touches. 
and then play behind those. If you can't get the rim, you're trying to get fouled. If you can't get fouled, you certainly hope uh, if you've done that, you can generate spot threes. And then, you know, the, the, really the fourth area that we talk about is, is what we would call mastery shots, which are, you know, like Isaiah Swope's ability to shoot off the dribble from 28 feet, you know. Uh, that's not something that, that, you know, most guys can do, but we call that a mastery shot, something that he does at an incredibly high level and makes it at a high enough level that, for him, uh, that's an efficient shot. Cooper Nice had the little uh, one-legged uh, mid-range, you know, you know, 180 he did last year. He made it a high clip. So you accommodate uh, that. But the way we, we, we play offense is always starting with the rim, uh, free throws, and then trying to generate spot threes. And it's really what the defense, you know, what the defense is giving you. How are they playing you, you know. And every game's a little bit different relative to, you know, there's games we probably take 35 threes or 40 threes. There's games we might only take 15. But it really is trying to figure out how you're being played and then and then what the solution is to, to what you're seeing. So did Robbie Avila enjoy the uh, the college Jokic comparison he got from the Indianapolis Star the last couple of days? I, I, I definitely think he enjoyed that. He's uh, – uh, you know, I think that's a, that's a, you know, obviously, uh, you know, that, that's a, that's a really heavy, uh, and very, uh, high, uh, level, uh, you know, compliment for him, uh, you know, to be compared to guys, a two-time MVP, but, you know, there are some similarities relative to, you know, neither guy, you know, probably looks like, uh, <laughs> a Greek God, um, neither guy, you know, uh, is very athletic and they both, um, you know, they both really can dominate a game with their skill and their intelligence. And I think that's the part, like with Robbie, it's, you know, obviously he's got great skill as a basketball player, but his basketball IQ matches the skill. And, and that's where, like, a, a, you know, if there's a comparison, obviously he's got a long way to go, but if there's a comparison, it's that. It's, it's, it's two guys that have great size, that are immensely skilled, and then, and then they have this really almost a point guard ability, you know, to, to direct an offense, understand where everybody's supposed to be, understand, you know, the, the older, you know, the big guys, you know, here, you know, in, 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 in recent times, you know, they were back to basket, bang, you know, post up and, and uh, this kind of more modern big, almost like a point center. Um, and it's not just Jokic, he's obviously the most prominent one, but Sabonis with the Kings, uh, uh, you know, uh, even Adebayo with, with the Heat, I mean, et cetera, there's a, there's a bunch of them. Uh, that's kind of, kind of the new wave, and, and Robbie's a guy that, uh, you know, we're really fortunate. There's not many guys in college that have his mix of size at 6'10", skill, and then, and then the intelligence that, that he brings to the position. Folks, to put this in perspective, Robbie's taking three threes a game. He's making 47%. He's also second on the team in assists, and in terms of a per-game basis, he is the leader in assists per game for Indiana State mm-hmm. at, at 4.2 per contest. So, um, you know, for, for a lot of the big boys, you kind of have this weekend this one non-conference game before you get back into league play Mm -hmm. that's clearly the case for you but it's kind of going in the opposite direction uh tell me how this game with the obvious history between the two schools how this game with michigan state come about you know it was funny we were we were scrambling to try to get a game we actually coming out of christmas we wanted a home game so we were trying to get somebody to come to the holman center and we were trying to you know find somebody we thought we had this thought we had that uh, then we were okay with going on the road because we couldn't, and so it was going. And Michigan State actually, uh, um, the guy who does their scheduling, 
called Matthew Graves and said, hey, uh, you know, would you guys be interested in coming to East Lansing? And, of course, uh, the next question is always, well, you know, how much? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, it, it, was, it was, you know, it's a significant amount of money, $100,000 yep. uh, for our program. So, I, you know, when, when we looked at it, said, okay, um, you know, the date fits. And then what a great opportunity. You know, like, I mean, that game hasn't been played since, you know, in, in almost in 45 years. We knew uh, how good Michigan State was going to be. Um, they weren't, you know, what they are now early. But we knew, hey, this is like a top five team coming out of Christmas right before league play. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a game that really kind of revolutionized college basketball, right? I mean, it, it's still in a lot of ways. I know there's been a lot of great basketball played. But it's still maybe the iconic game yes. for college basketball, right? I mean, 44, 45 years later, like that's still an iconic game. And so when, when we looked at it in totality, uh, the opportunity, um, what it meant for us financially, uh, the date fit. And then, you know, we thought, you know, what a great kind of bookend our, our non-conference. You know, Alabama at Alabama, <laughs> Michigan State at Michigan State. Two great benchmarks for us to kind of challenge ourselves as a team, see where we are, and then you go into Missouri Valley play, which you know you know well is is as challenging as any 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 mid major mid major plus league in the country. Of course, a couple of quick things, and then we'll let you go. I realize your concern is your team is the scout, not the pregame show hype, pomp and circumstance, etc. But I'm asking you the right. question anyway. Anything mm-hmm. special they're going to do for the game on Saturday afternoon, or hey, it's special if you get to play Michigan State. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to do anything, you know, from our end. I mean, you know, like I told our guys, there's going to be a lot uh, a, a lot surrounding it. There's a lot of hype with the game because, you know, and, and in a good way, you know, we're, you know, we're 11 and one and that's, a, that, that's created some interest and attention, which is always, a, you know, for a program like ours, Indiana State, um, you know, it's really special because we don't always, sure. it's easy for us to fly under the radar, right? I mean, there's so many great programs and teams and everything here in the Indianapolis market. It's hard to, to fight. And so you got to do well. So, that aspect's been great, and then obviously Michigan State with the team they have. But I don't know if there's anything specific they're doing. I heard that uh, uh, Magic will be back in the building. I, I, I have not heard uh, if, if, if uh, Larry Bird is going to make it back. Uh, I, I haven't heard that he has, so I'm assuming not. But I heard that Magic will be there. And, you know, national TV game um, against, you know, I think, you know, at the moment, you know, certainly one of the top five to ten teams in America. Um, you know, that that's really special for us, for our team. And and if you're a competitor and and uh, uh, you have to love these kind of challenges, these kind of opportunities, and a, a really hard place to play against an unbelievable team with an iconic coach, it's uh, doesn't get much better than this for our basketball program. And the thing is, you know, you got the horses to compete. You know, that's the case going in because you got a pretty special group yourself, buddy. We'll let yeah. you go. Thanks for the time on short notice, my friend. Have a safe trip best of luck this weekend and all valley season long we'll talk soon thanks so much greg appreciate you having me on thanks of so course much. Have a great one you got it josh shirts head basketball coach at indiana state university his trees are good and they have a chance to showcase that on a national stage now all that being said again they still know they've got to win three games in arch madness maybe four but i'm assuming they're going to be in the top six seeds um to be in the ncaa tournament you win this game and maybe you rack up 18, 17, 18 league wins. Maybe there might be a non-conference bid, but for as much of a high as Saturday can be, that's still the nature of what this is. You got to win three in St. Louis. But I firmly feel if this Indiana State team makes the NCAA tournament, they can win a game or two. 
They're that good. Watchman action on Michigan St- against Michigan State coming up on Saturday afternoon. To a, uh, our next guest, he played college basketball in the state of Michigan. And Joe Wrights, Western Michigan Bronco. I know. I was there. I called some of his games. He'll join us to talk a little more football when we come back. It's the Rye Without JMV, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fam. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. The Sportos, the Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wasteoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Five o'clock hour and a shortened hour because, well, I mean, my goodness, he wouldn't want to get to the Duke's Mayo Bowl as quickly as possible. Greg Rakestraw, thank you to Josh Schertz, head coach of Indiana State, joining us in the previous segment and a guy that knows a thing about mid-major basketball. In addition to the National Football League is Joe Wrights, of course, much like yours, truly a part of the Colts Radio Network. Happy holidays, my friend. How you doing? Likewise, Rake. It's uh, great to talk to you, and um, yeah, wish you a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and yours. You are of the age where you are assembling gifts overnight to have them, you know, be Santa-approved for the kids. So how late were you and the missus up on Christmas Eve into Christmas morning making sure everything was put together properly underneath the tree? Well, I tell you what, we got a surprise. We were at my parents' for Christmas Eve and came home, and Santa had come. I think Rudolph <laughs> came early with the fog. So about 9.30, we opened up all the presents, and the kids were juiced up. So it was about 11.30, and Joe and I looked at each other, and we said, well, we just, we'll just roll the midnight mass. So we did that, and uh, 50% of the kids stayed awake throughout of it. So it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of joy as always. But uh, I, I tell, you know, other parents, and obviously you know this as well, it's like, going to Europe in the NFL, you need a bye week after the Christmas season for sure. <laughs> I haven't gotten one of those yet. I think next week I think I get I, I, I get one there of those. And, uh, and and I have age out of that in terms of having to put together things at like 2 or 3 in the morning on Christmas Eve. We have gotten past that stage of life and I'm, I am not too broken up about it. We will get to talking about the Colts in a second, but again, um, I, I just talked about Indiana State playing at Michigan State coming up on um on saturday afternoon so let's talk about your bronco days shall we what was the coolest place you got to play while playing for steve hawkins in kalamazoo yeah great question we got to play in assembly hall my junior year and that was obviously a special treat for me uh, especially being from indiana and that was back when iu wasn't great and we actually had a halftime lead if you remember those iu fans will know lance stemler was their four man but the second half they went small Wilmot played the four and, and we couldn't guard him keeping out of the paint but I was a lot of uh, one-on-one battles with DJ White so that was probably my most special uh, memory but uh, you know we got to play in Alaska we got to play in the Rainbow Classic which just tipped off here in Hawaii so we got to do a lot of special things under Coach Hawk and you mentioned Indiana State uh, we played them twice when I was there lost both games by two both games we probably should have won and 
I can't say much more, Greg, than there may have been some damage to a whiteboard uh, over there in Terre Haute. I don't know if we ever got an invoice from it in Kalamazoo, but it wasn't a great performance for us, and there might have been a little bit of carnage in the visitors' locker room. That that damaged whiteboard might still be in place, frankly, uh, in the Holman Center, <laughs> uh, even even with the renovations that ha- that have taken place there. So, all right, let's get to talking about uh, all things National Football League, and I guess since the game is now three days removed, let's make this more present tense. Braden Smith was a full participant. Again, it's a walkthrough, so it's an estimate. But if you're listed as a full participant on Wednesday, I think that bodes well for Sunday. The return of Braden to the lineup means what for the O-line and the offense? Oh, it's huge. And, and I'm with you. The first thing I did was check the injury report today. Saw him full on Wednesday. That's a really good sign. Because you think, you know, Freeland, he's been up and down, but he's a rookie. And, and you can't expect him to come out there and play at the same level as you would Smith or Ryman, but obviously the Raiders are bringing in two really good edge rushers. People know Max Crosby, and he's awful good, but Kuntz on the other side had three sacks last week. And we got to be able to hold up better in pass protection. I thought really that might have been our worst game in terms of protection. Atlanta's rushers were just going speed to power, and they were really just kind of pushing our tackles back in the pocket, and there was no room for Minshew to go. So pass protection is going to be a huge part of this game on Sunday, and obviously if Braden Smith can play, that that's a really big boost for that Colts offensive line. The I realize it's a combination of both of these things when, when I ask you this question, but how much of, of, of the Colts offensive struggles were not having Braden Smith, how much of it was Michael Pittman Jr. on Sunday as well? I think both. Those are your, two of your top offensive guys, and you know our receivers didn't catch many balls. It was the tight ends and it was the running backs. So we can get Pittman back and we can get Smith back. That's really big because bottom line, it, it's a win in your end scenario. I know there's a bunch of situations and there's the what if that the Colts could win two games sure. and still might not get. But Cincinnati's going to lose one of their next couple games. Bottom line, the Colts win these two games at home. They're in the playoffs, and for me, it, it's a little bit of deja vu and Colts fans as well. A couple of years ago, you're in the same situation. <laughs> right. Two games to go, you're playing Oakland at home. You drop that game, and then we lay the egg down in Jacksonville. So I would expect that the uh, key leaders in that locker room are going to be reminded of fellas what happened a couple of years ago, and maybe we can exact some revenge uh, that's been pent up for a couple of years at Lucas Oil Sunday at 1 o'clock. Well, Joe, let's face it. Uh, uh, you know, the, the key pieces, I'm, I can name names. There's 10 to 12 guys, shows you the turnaround of the National Football League, 10 to 12 guys that were key pieces of that team two years ago. But for the most part, it's a different team. Clearly, it's a different coaching staff. Um, but but so many guys were not a part of that two years ago. So how and much what, does that get brought up in the locker room this week? It'll be some, but I think it's more about the vets this time of year to talk to the young guys and let them know that this is playoff football. And I always felt like, when you go into a playoff game, you don't just want to change up your routine. Do what got you there, but you got to be sharper. You got to be sharper in practice. You got to be sharper in film study. I didn't feel like we had that sharpness that we've had most of the year Sunday in Atlanta, and clearly that showed. But we got to be just more mentally engaged, in my opinion. If we do that, and if we play with our hair on fire like we have been most of the season, I think we'll be just fine. And I think it's a credit to the leaders in that locker room. It's credit to Shane and his coaching staff that they're in a position, but you got to get greedy now. Playoff opportunities don't come every year, and the tendency, I think, for a young guy to think, oh, you know, every year we're going to be mixed for the playoffs. It just doesn't happen like that in the NFL, so you got to strike when the time is now, and I'm excited because we got two home games, 
two very winnable games, and they're both at Lucas Oil. We need to have that 12th man rock in these next couple Sundays and give us a home field advantage, boost this team into the playoffs, because that would just be a great story to the season. What are your expectations from the Raiders coming in again? They they have playoff hopes. They're, they are faint ones. A lot of things has to happen, but they just won against their big rivals in Kansas City. Clearly they're playing to try to keep Antonio Pierce as the man in charge of that team. What are your expectations from visitors coming up on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, Pierce is doing a great job, and clearly those guys want him to be the head coach. They're playing like it. They're playing for him. But I think we're getting Oakland at a good time. I mean, a couple weeks ago they put up 63. They got Staley fired out in L.A. Then they go and they beat the Chiefs. And, Greg, you know, when you put together two good performances in a row, it gets harder to put that third one or harder to put that fourth one. Everybody's talking about, wow, it's crazy. Baltimore went in and beat San Fran. And I was trying to tell people they won seven games in a row. And when that happens, it gets harder and harder to win the next one. So I think we'll clearly – Oakland, sorry, Vegas should have our attention because they played well and they put good things on tape. But I do think we're getting them at a good time. And if I'm the Colts after that just debacle in Atlanta, you can't wait to get out on the field and you can't wait to play. Sunday can't come soon enough for our guys. We'll be ready. We'll be chomping at the bit. When when you look around the National Football League, and I, and I spit this stat out earlier, there are 18 teams with two weeks left to go that have a chance to finish a game above or a game below 500 as a guy that's lived it what does that tell you about the national football league right now that the, the happiest person is roger goodell because that's what the nfl wants they want everybody to go eight eight and one they want the ultimate parody the nfl is set up like that with the salary cap with the draft compensatory picks all of those things and i just think it makes it exciting because to your point you got 20 fan bases right now that sure. are thinking playoffs and that makes football awful fun. And for the Colts, the great thing is they control their own destiny. They still do, even after last week. And that's what we don't have to worry about other people. We just got to focus on us, and things will take care of itself, and we'll be playing that second weekend in January. On the flip side, and again, we'll throw the Colts out of this discussion being in the middle of that. Who strikes you as being really good in the National Football League? Like, obviously, because of the holiday, because of the teams, because of Monday Night Football, a lot of the nation had their eyes focused on Ravens and Niners on Monday night. And, man, the Ravens looked the part. And that also continues this amazing Colts trend of beating a potential Super Bowl team because I think the Ravens kind of looked that good on Monday night. So, as again, as somebody that's lived it, as you look around the National Football League, who catches your attention and goes, hey, man, those guys are going to be a tough out, whether it's the Colts playing or not in the playoffs? Yeah, I think tier one for me is Baltimore and San Francisco. I think they're just a cut above everybody else. That next round, you could throw Dallas in there. You can throw Philly in there. I know Detroit won the division. You know, I know Miami. But I think when you're a team that hasn't been in the playoffs year in and year out, it's harder. And so when I look at the AFC, outside of Baltimore, I think it's pretty jumbled up in there. I know Miami is good and they're talented. And Kansas City's real, but you can't count them out. But if you're the Colts and you get into the tournament, who do you not want to play? I mean, you beat Baltimore on the road who's the best team in the AFC, and I think that's what's exciting. And what's exciting about the NFL is you just got to play well for three hours. And I think the NFL, it's just like March Madness. You don't have to be the best team. You don't have the best body of work. You just got to get hot at the right time. And we've seen that year in and year out in the NFL. And so that's what's exciting for the Colts. And the Colts have played well on the road. I would argue they've played better outside these last couple games on the road than at home. And so that should give them some confidence, too, that you get into the playoffs – 
you're not as worried about going on the road because they've had a lot of success there so far this season. Again, Joe writes a couple of quick things, and, and then we'll let you go. Again, with the college basketball route, not the college football route, I'm not sure if you you know, you know actually have like a real job and, 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 and kids to raise and things like that. As I've been having this conversation with you throughout the course of the show, I've been watching the Military Bowl, which I think is played in Annapolis at Navy, and it's featuring Virginia Tech and Tulane, and there is a full-on monsoon that is coming down so if i gave you the option to go back and play college football and play in a bowl game but it would come down in the remnants of like a tropical storm would you like to go back and play in a college football bowl game a hundred percent and here's why greg as an offensive lineman you want it as nasty as it can be if it was rain if it was snow if it was 30 degrees that's all great for me because that means that the defense is moving a little bit slower and gives me a little bit better chance of hopefully keeping those defensive ends off the quarterback all right i have forgotten your retirement year you just missed the buffalo game or are you still playing in 17 when that happened I missed it. I retired in 16. So I, thought, I was yeah. actually watching. The, I went to the Pacer game that day because they played the same day. I was watching that game at a bar with one of my buddies, and I can remember <laughs> thinking, man, this game would be so fun to play with. And instantly after the game, I was texting our O-line group chat, and they were saying all the same thing. They said, hey, if you were on both feet, you got a positive play for the day. It was all about you said to stay on two feet. I mean, it's an easy and a fun game to play as a lineman because you really can't screw up too bad. So, but but I did just miss that one in Buffalo. That's what I thought, Joe. It's always a pleasure, buddy. Well, I'll, I'll see you on Sunday. Thanks for the time and happy holidays. All right, thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. You got it again, Joe. Writes obviously you hear him. You heard him last night on Colts Roundtable Live and. I didn't want to get too deep into the weeds about it. And again, we're now a couple, three days removed from the game itself. But certainly caught him uh, in talking about kind of both Ryman and Freeland as they get older and as they get more experienced. You know, they, they kind of got worked by some more experienced players um, on Sunday in terms of kind of the variety of moves. And, and that's something that they'll kind of develop more of plan A, B, and C out there on those islands. Uh, as they go along, but the good news for the Colts is Braden Smith trending in the right direction uh, to be back. Again, the injury report out earlier today, limited uh, in practice was uh, Michael Pittman Jr. as an estimate, but a full go in practice in that walkthrough, which the Colts have been doing for the last several weeks on Wednesdays, trying to reduce the wear and tear on the team. Braden Smith listed as a full go. Again, the limited participant would be Michael Pittman Jr. trying to get through the concussion protocol. Pittman also listed as having a bit of a shoulder injury as well. We'll take this quick time out when we come back. We'll track down Kyle Nenrip and talk a little high school basketball because it is a ridiculously busy three or four days for high school hoops. Again, we exit a bit early today. I'm out the door by 545 because you've got Matt Taylor, Colts Daily Update, then college football at 6 o'clock here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Joey, have you ever been in a 
in a Turkish prison. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hopefully, JMB's time on the disabled list is over as of tomorrow. He's got a remote to do. I forgot where the location is, but I'm sure there will be um, Larceny Bourbon and Luna Zool to help him make a miraculous recovery, thanks to James on the ones and twos. Again, we exit a little bit early today on the program. We uh, bring you the Colt Daily Update at 545, college football at 6, and uh, I'll be back in Broad Ripple by sometime in the vicinity of 6 o'clock. You can be a part of the conversation if you'd like it. 317-239 at 1070. You can always email me to Greg at 1070thefan.com. Interact via Twitter at Greg Rakestraw. Before a final time today, let's go to the Andy Moore automotive group hotline it is kyle nederip that joins us now um i kind of have an idea where you're going to be on saturday because you know you're working and you're a dad uh and i'll get to that in a second what is your basketball schedule like before we get to saturday well i'm, I'm figuring that out hour by hour so <laughs> i'm uh <laughs> no i i think probably tomorrow i'm definitely going to hit north central uh for a good chunk of the day and then most likely uh fisher's on uh, Friday and then maybe somewhere else Friday. I'm not totally sure yet, but uh, definitely want to hit both those spots. And I think that's the order I'm probably thinking to go as of right now. All right, so I've got North Central, so I'll see you tomorrow because usually it's about a 50-50 shot that Kyle and I see each other every game uh, that we go to uh, at this point. (laughs) Then on Friday I've got to work in an IUPUI game, and then I'll head over to Newcastle for the evening session for the Girls' Hall of Fame Classic. And then – I'll be hanging out on Saturday. And I know you touched on this in in your column, I think that was posted earlier today, if not yesterday, basically saying that there's so much in the way of holiday traffic that tends to be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week. Hall of Fame on the boys, that's almost a standalone, which is a good thing given the talent that they have in the field. And I know you're you're slightly partial to Brownsburg since your son could be getting some minutes uh, for Coach Lynch uh, on Saturday. So what is that feeling like? You know, there's journalistic integrity and there's, oh, yeah, being a dad. What's that like covering the game in which your son's actually playing? Well, it's weird. I don't uh... – you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of, uh, you know, uh, crossover as far as that. And, you know, something I don't even think about, to be honest with you. Know, I'm so busy with my own stuff. And then, you know, my wife will video uh, a lot of the games. I don't even get to go to many of them. But uh, but I'll get to watch them later and, and, and do that sort of thing. So, you know, I say, like, my schedule is my schedule. And, and you know, his schedule is his schedule. And, and uh, sometimes we'll cross over, which, uh, which is good. But I... I've probably seen other people's kids more than my own. <laughs> so, you know, that's uh, sort of part of the – it's a job you sign up for, you know what I mean? So it's just that's part of it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I expect that will be a, a great tournament. And after seeing Kokomo, and I know you got a chance to see him last yep. week too, but, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, what's wrong with them after the Fishers game? And I and my reply was kind of like, well, how many times is Flory going to shoot three times in a game? Probably never again. Um and I thought, you know, I, I didn't see all of the Kokomo tournament, but uh, but I thought, man, I, I they've they've kind of bounced back like we expected or like I thought they would. And I think they're going to be a handful, uh, to be honest with you, on Saturday. I think they've got all the pieces, and and they're really really good. And uh, you know, if they're if they're playing, they're a team to me that's going to get better and better uh, throughout the season, which a lot of teams do. But there's there's some new pieces on that team too that haven't been in this position before, so that that kind of 
that kind of makes me think they're going to be much better. And, and, and the Rodgers kid, too. I mean, he's he's definitely come a long way. So I'm looking forward to seeing them. And I think Attics is really good. I think Brownsburg is, is has been good uh, at times. And I think they're another team, I think, that can get a lot better. Uh, and then Brownstown, of course, and I think beyond Jack Benner, uh, they're a very, very good team, regardless of class. So it's a really good field. I mean, it really is. And but you know, having recency bias of just seeing Kokomo, I'm like, man, that's a really good team. I think, and I think people uh, who saw the the game against Fishers may have got the wrong impression on who they are exactly. Well, I, I think Fishers is also really good, and 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 yeah, we will a, yep. and we will get to them a couple of matter of moments. But but my overwhelming thought uh, leaving Kokomo, and and Kyle was there on Friday. I was there for a couple of games each of those two days. You know, and understandably so. You know, there has been such an Indianapolis dominance of of, of 4A and, and boys basketball and even though Kokomo is an hour north, we almost kind of lump them in uh because of the schedule in which they play, but South Bend Riley was very impressive to me. I loved watching Jeffersonville play, a group that was largely juniors with with a senior point guard. And so to me, like last year, I loved the 4A season because it was, could anybody beat Ben Davis? And Ben Davis was so generationally good. Well, now this year, it's because I think there's 7, 10, 12, 15 really good 4A basketball teams. Nobody as good as, as Ben Davis was last year, but there's a lot of really good teams, and they seem to be spread out all across the state. I'm looking forward to seeing Harrison for the first time. They were they've gotten one loss. It was to Jeff, you know, uh, earlier this year by by three points. I think this is a year with not just parity, but kind of like six A football. Several really good teams across the state. Are you kind of getting that impression from four A about at the you know one third mark of the season? Yeah, I agree. Lake Central is another one I'm curious to see that has started out uh, really hot up in that in the northwest sure. part of the state. So, uh, yeah, and I agree. Jeffersonville, to me, you know, having watched them last week, I'm like, man, that, that's a team that can that can beat a lot of Central Indiana. They, they seem like a Central Indiana team to me, and I'm, that, I'm meaning that as a right. as a compliment to them. Um, you know, I think they I think they were very good. The record the record is I I think a little bit uh, misleading at five and three. Uh, because of some of the turnover, and I talked to Sharon Wilkerson about that a little bit. He said, you know, turnovers have been a problem. It's it's just partly us, you know, not, uh, you know, they just need to be better in that area, uh, being a little lackadaisical with the ball. But, you know, having watched them play, I'm like, I don't really understand why, you know, that's been the case. So I think that's something they can get figured out. Uh, but they've got the size of Singleton. They've got, I really like P.J. Douglas uh, attacking the basket like he was and, you know, like you said, they've got a point guard in Rose there who can who can distribute and also shoot. So just a lot of really good pieces. And Michael Cooper went off a couple of games there at Kokomo. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think it's a year where you know it's it's uh, you know Franklin in the South. Yep. You know, some of the Center Grove in the South. You know, there's some really good teams that are you know consider Central Indiana, but will be coming from that area that are really good, uh, that will be battling teams like Jeffersonville and, and uh, you know, some of those teams down south, like Evansville-Harrison you mentioned. Evansville-Wrights is a team I'm looking forward to seeing uh, as well. So, yeah, there's it, it seems like a pretty well spread out. Even with, within Central Indiana, it's pretty well uh, spread out. I think, uh, you know, Fishers and Lawrence North, to me, have probably been the best of the bunch, but I don't know if there's a huge wide gap from game to game necessarily either. Uh, like they're, you know, looking back at it, you know, 
last year I think really was probably the case. If Ben Davis was playing their best, uh, especially when they put that press on, there right. was nobody that could beat them. But uh, I don't sense that this year. All right, you're not supposed to be the best team in the state when you lose your best player two years early. How is Garrett Weininger and Fishers getting this done without Jalen Harrelson? You know, it's a weird thing because he was such an unselfish player. It wasn't like uh, right. he, he was he was leading the team in assists. He was he would get he wasn't dominating shots. You know, it, so it wasn't him. You know, so it's a weird thing to look at that and be like, well, you know, you might think it's just well you take him out and everybody shares it better, but but he was. He's very good at sharing the basketball. So it's it's. I do wonder if you look back and and you put uh, Cooper Zachary on this year's team, or on last year's team, how much that would have helped them. You know, because maybe they needed one more ball handler type of player uh, with him in that group. And also those guys are just a year older. You know, they're just a year older uh, even without him. So it doesn't. Sometimes basketball doesn't completely make sense. A lot of it's the chemistry and you know how teams play together. Uh, and it's just being, I think, a year more experienced. I, and I think that's just a lot of it. I don't think it has much to do with, with Jalen Harrelson, uh, you know, dominating the ball too right. much or whatever. But but I do sense there's just a it's, – it's a, it's a team that really fits together. You've got, you know, guys who've come in, Jason Gardner Jr. and Cooper Zachary, who are freshmen, who don't play like freshmen. I think John Anthony Hall's been a lot better uh, player this year. Uh, you're more experienced. And Keenan Gardner, I, I mean, honestly, he is he's taken another step completely that – that I think maybe people didn't really know he could get to. So, you know, it's all those things combined. And Tate and Metzger obviously can really shoot it. They've got some good pieces off the bench. Uh, they're very deep, and they, they like to press. I mean, that's and I think that's something that, you know, you don't see a lot of teams do is just full-court press uh, like they do constantly. And, and that's a style that, you know, they've wanted to play for a while, and they've got the pieces to do it this year and the depth to do it this year. So, you know, all of those things, I think, contribute to that and I just think they're you know it's it's a, like I said a team that fits together really well and you know we'll see what level they can get to I think there's a few teams out there that are going to get a lot better as the year goes along and and you know we'll see if Fishers does too because they're already playing at a really high level again Kyle Nenrip Indianapolis star all things high school hoops obviously it's holiday tournament time uh, action at North Central both Thursday and Friday a lot of great teams Hall of Fame Classic for the girls on Friday. Hall of Fame Classic for the girls or the boys on Saturday. Um, I'm a little partial to those two events because we have those on the ISC Sports Network. The field at Fishers is really good. Jeffersonville and Riley, who played in Kokomo, are playing each other uh, in that event at Fishers, uh, which uh, w- which starts tomorrow and goes through Friday as well. You reference Brownstown Central. A couple of showcase events for the uh, for the Braves, and Jack Benner has not played didn't play because of a knee injury uh, against Lawrence North. Missed time last week at the uh, at the big small school event down in North Davies. Any word on whether we will see him coming up on Saturday? Well, I'm really hoping so because that would be a, a big downer, obviously, if not. And, you know, these events are for that reason is to get those those uh, big-name players in, the, in playing in those games. And, you know, I honestly haven't had a chance to look into it any further than – than knowing he missed uh, that championship game, so you know I'm, I'm. They are a good team, you know. I will say, agreed. Without him, um, better than people realize. I think, um, you know, and they'll have something. Uh, I'm sure in the in the game plan, um, 
if he can't go. But uh, but obviously you lose a guy like that who's such a yeah. I hope he does play so people from a statewide perspective can see he's he's more of a distributor uh, than he gets credit for. He's a great passer, you know, and and uh, and obviously can really knock down shots and just a good basketball player. And uh, you know, hopefully he's able to go. Uh, you know, that would be disappointing if not. But uh, if not, I think we're still going to see him obviously uh, down the road, and they're going to be a handful. Uh, in their in their uh, class and in their sectional, so you know. Although you know, man, they, their sectional, you, you don't sleep on Providence, man. Right. That that team that and and they're very well coached. They play exceptionally hard. And I know Brownstown beat them once this year, but uh, if I didn't have to cover sectional up here, I'd love to see that <laughs> game because I know it's going to be a, a tough one. But, uh, but yeah, man, I hope uh, I hope Jack can go this weekend. No doubt about that, Kyle. I will see you at uh, North Central tomorrow. I'm sure at Newcastle on Saturday. Happy holidays, my friend i'll see you soon you bet thanks for having me on greg kyle nenrip of the indianapolis star again joining us on the andy moore automotive group hotline we got to pay some bills i'll come back and wrap it up next 93.5 the fan the ride with jmv and the beat goes on here and the beat goes on 93.5 and 107.5 the fan an early departure for the substitute teacher today that doesn't bother me in the slightest. Had a couple of you that asked when I was saying, "Hey, um, give me a, um, give me some topics for discussion today," and I got some Indy Eleven questions. I will defer all of those to Soccer Saturday coming up Saturday morning on ninety three five and one zero seven five. The fan because we are not doing a best of this year just because there has been so much that has been going on kind of around this time of the year. We had kind of hoped that maybe there might be a new coach announcement by Saturday. As of now, it is not trending in that direction, Uh, but it could be happening soon. If it doesn't happen this week, I would say pretty confident it's going to happen next week on that front. Uh, But uh, so any of you that said, hey, Talk a little more in the 11. We'll do that on Soccer Saturday. Uh, so be tuned in Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Same uh, frequencies you're listening to right here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We've teased this up a couple of times. Uh, Colts Daily Update in a matter of moments. The Duke's Mayo Bowl is getting all kinds of love because of A, product placement, But B, even some more love. You will hear a familiar voice on the radio coverage of that that we will turn to at 6 o'clock. Former Indianapolis Colt and friend of this show, Charles Allbuckle, is going to be the analyst on the broadcast for that. So even more of a reason to tune in and listen in coming up in a matter of moments. Uh, From a local standpoint, again, big news. Pacers won last night. Play the Bucks or play the Bulls tomorrow night. Of course, we'll have it for you here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan Pacers get above 500 with the win last night. Again, given how much they have struggled since the in season tournament run, any win is a good win. The Rockets better than they have been in some time. Uh, so good win for the Pacers last night. Colts not have a full practice today. Had a walkthrough today, but the injury estimates, full participation for Braden Smith, limited for Zach Moss and Michael Pittman Jr. as Michael Pittman tries to work his way through the concussion protocol for a second consecutive week. 
The one national story I did not have a chance to get to today, Russell Wilson benched for the final two games of the season for the Denver Broncos in part to ensure he doesn't hit a contract trigger for failing a physical, which would guarantee an additional $37 million on his deal. The Broncos seemingly waving the white flag on their season at 7 and 8. Hopefully John is back tomorrow. Thanks for tolerating me. Enjoy the rest of this holiday week where we all lose track of time. I'll be on my Indy TV tomorrow night at 6.30 from North Central High School. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to the fan.